One of the major claims of today's so-called new atheist is that religion is the main cause of war. Therefore, religion should be eradicated from the face of the earth. But is there any truth to this claim? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist, Dr. Pat Zucharin. Today, Pat will examine this topic and take us back through history for answers. And by the way, it's crucial resources like these that we offer at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's articles, books, interviews with leading scholars, and past programs available for download on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Pat? Thanks, Kevin. We're tackling another tough challenge today. Is religion the primary cause of wars in this world? I'm going to quote a couple atheists here, some popular atheists. One is Sam Harris, and he says, For everyone with eyes to see, there can be no doubt that religious faith remains a perpetual source of human conflict. And here's another one by Richard Dawkins. He says, Only the willfully blind could fail to implicate the divisive force of religion in most, if not all, of the violent enmities in the world today. Is religion the primary cause of wars throughout history and in this world today? Well, with me to address this challenge is my colleague at Probe Ministries, Don Clausen. Thank you, Pat. That's the accusation here. And is it true that religion is the primary cause of war in recent history? Yeah, it's, it's one of those ideas out in our society that almost goes unquestioned. Uh, and even Christians, you can ask them and, and they'll kind of uh, be uncomfortable and they're, they're just not sure how to respond and maybe even acquiesce that, yeah, I think religion is the cause of war. At least that's what I learned in school or that's what the media seems to imply. Yeah, and you know, Don, when I was traveling in Eastern Europe, they're all disillusioned because they said, well, the Catholics were fighting the Protestants and the Muslims and... And so they seem completely disillusioned about any kind of religion out there. It's almost like, boy, if we're going to be safe and live a peaceful life, the less religious we are, the safer we are. And, and that's really unfortunate because, by and large, I don't think it's the case. In fact, let's begin with the most recent era, the last hundred years, the 20th century. We look at it as being the bloodiest century of warfare in history. Just World War II alone, as many as 60 million people died in that conflict. And they still talk about World War I as being the Great War. Uh, didn't kill quite as many, but boy, a nasty battle on the European continent. But that's not all. We have many other wars. We had, obviously, the uh, Korean War and the Vietnam War and the other uh, battles that ensued after that. And even more than that, we have examples of nations treating its own people with remarkable disdain, whether it's the Soviet Union and the Kulak farmers in the Ukraine being starved uh, by Stalin, as many as 20 million died there, Mao Zedong and the Cultural Revolution, millions died there as well, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, uh, as much as a quarter of the population dying, a very bloody century, none of it caused by religion, not religion in the traditional sense anyway. Hmm. Then what was the cause of, of these wars here? Well, think about World War II. Think about Hitler, Nazi Germany. You know, obviously the Holocaust comes to mind. Uh, six million Jews as well as gypsies and, and other what were considered inferior races of people being exterminated. Well, where did that idea come from that there were superior and inferior races? 
Well, that's Darwinism. That's not religion. Um, that's a set of naturalistic assumptions that drove Hitler to eradicate what he saw to be inferior human beings. Now, you know, some people will say, oh, no, it was actually the Christian influence there because they're the ones who crucified Christ. And therefore, that's why that's what influenced this whole persecution of the Jews. Yeah. Any thought that the Nazis were driven by biblical principles or Christian ethics is just so ridiculous. It's uh, it's it's laughable. First of all, no one can kill someone in the name of Christ. I mean, when you think about it, to say that I'm taking Christ's teaching and murdering someone or killing someone, they they either have no knowledge of the New Testament and the teachings of Christ, or they're just lying to you, because no one kills in the name of Christ uh, and does so consistently with what Christ taught. Christ doesn't tell anyone to kill anyone. In fact, you, the only thing you can do is die for Christ. You can't kill for Christ. Um but both fascism and communism, the two big isms that drove much of this conflict in the last hundred years on the right and the left, both of them were very uh, transparent in their arguments against any um, special place for the human being. They took away this idea that human beings were, were somehow different. You know, we believe as Christians that humans are created in the image of God, that we have a, a, a special relationship to the Creator, a special place on this planet as God's stewards. Uh, both communism and fascism uh, rejected that idea completely. There is no inherent value to humanity. Well, what about uh, Vietnam and what happened in Cambodia and in China? What do we attribute to the atrocities that occurred there? Well, you, you don't have to dig too deeply into Marxism to find out that um, the revolution would be bloody. The road to this final communist utopia would be a bloody path and that the reactionaries had to be put down for, so that the, uh, you know, the people, if you will, which usually ends up being a small group of <laughs> tyrants ruling at the top so that they can set up this utopia. You have to get rid of all those that would stand in the way as, you know, of, of this, this new, new man that's being created, this communist ideal. So there's much writing in, in communist, um, you know, I think of Trotsky was, v again, very specific in his rejection of the Christian view that human beings as individuals were important. Humanity as uh, part of this communist revolution is important, is significant, but not individuals. So that no matter how many you have to get rid of to establish this new utopia, this communist utopia, it's, it's, it's okay. So the Khmer Rouge can take any educated person out of Phnom Penh, put them out into the jungles and, and work them to death or let illness kill them or shoot them or whatever. That's okay. It's in this it's in the service of this higher purpose of establishing a, a communist utopia. Yeah, you know, Don, uh, under Hitler's regime, 12 million were murdered. Uh, under Mao Zedong, 30 million were murdered. So that philosophy has had tremendous consequences. And it's interesting that Dawkins will say, well, I, I don't have to defend all of that. I don't, I don't believe in communism. But he has to at least be aware that this is being promoted as a naturalistic or a materialistic worldview. The one he's claiming is true. Now, he may not be a communist, but it's part of the, it's it's a product of that worldview, that system. So he at least has to be aware and, you know, say, well, I can see this as a possible outcome. Well, they're they're the emperor and all that. 
Yeah, I mean, was religion behind their <laughs> desire for expansion? Yeah, I, I see that more as a cultural thing. I don't see it as you – t- you know more about it than I do oh, probably. Okay. Well, that's about recent history, Don. What about in antiquity? Wasn't all those wars, the Greeks and the Persians, wasn't that all over religion as well? Yeah, and again, that would be the common – belief is that the further back you go must be religion driving all of these wars. But it's interesting. Um, Mark Pierce in his book, The Gods of War, um, does a wonderful job of showing that even if you go back to the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, the you know Alexander the Great, um, Julius Caesar, think of the big names of you know the successful warriors in the past who led these huge armies. They weren't religious wars. They were wars for land. They were wars for empire. They were wars for property, for goods, wars for security. But they weren't religious wars. The Romans didn't have a uh, one religious system they were trying to promote. In fact, there really there was a, a number of systems that often would come into play after war was started. You know, let's face it, once war begins, nations will kind of cohere around whatever belief system is there, and they'll use it to promote patriotism and get behind your country and behind your war, that kind of thing. They'll pray to their gods, whatever those gods might be. But the purpose of those wars was not to further religious belief, any one system. It was to gain territory, to gain power, to gain uh, goods and services, if you will, and to gain slaves. Much of Rome, for instance, was driven by slave power. And how do you get slaves? You go out and conquer. So it was uh, it was power. It was pure greed. Is that also, you know, apply for uh, what we would consider barbarian groups like the Goths and the Huns and, and the Vikings and, and the Mongols as well? Yeah, sure. You've got you've got group after group who attempted to uh, fight back once they saw weakness, on, especially on part of the Roman Empire. Um, there was wave after wave, but none of them were promoting a religious system. Uh, the Mongols, you can think of Tamerlane and others who uh, fought uh, eventually some as as Muslims. But uh, in one incident, incident. Uh, Tamerlane took over Baghdad and and murdered 80,000 Muslims and built towers with their skulls to show how powerful he was. So he certainly wasn't promoting Islam. He was uh, simply trying to gain more power and more more prestige. Uh, So it wasn't promoting a religion uh, in that case. Now, Islam, I would argue, is one of the instigators of religious warfare. Uh, but not in every case was it. Well, how about the wars between France and England, the American Revolution, the French Revolution? What about those? Weren't those religiously motivated? Well, think of the American Revolution. Uh, certainly there were religious justifications used to argue why it was a valid uh, action to seek separation from England. But the motivation was economic. We got angry because of taxation. Uh, We got angry because of specifically taxation without representation. And the more we felt England was unfairly treating us, in fact, the war started as a war for British rights, rights as British citizens. It wasn't even started really as um, a a clear cut, we're going to break off from England. As things progressed, that that eventually happened. But uh, it was not to spread our religious beliefs because England believe pretty similarly to the way we did. It wouldn't have spread the Christian religion. We brought it over with us from there. Um, so it, it, no, that wasn't, certainly wasn't a war uh, for religion. If you think of the French Revolution, um, 
it was a war away from religion. It was to put reason on the throne. Uh, it wasn't to promote a a religion as we normally think of a religion. It was to purge the country of of religious authority, uh, especially the Catholic Church. So, uh, and of course, Napoleon. Napoleon wasn't about spreading religion. He was all about power and spreading the French culture uh, and, and establishing his authority around Europe. So, no, it was glory, it was power, it was greed, but not religion. Well, let's chase a rabbit here just a little bit, Don and Pat. You know, from a Christian standpoint, many have said that the American Revolutionary War would be a violation for the Christian of Romans 13 to honor the government that's, that is in charge and, and so on. And the solution from a Christian standpoint should have been to do what Canada did, and that is just wait a little while longer. And then we would have gained our, our our independence eventually. But you've brought up some things there, Don, that it wasn't just about the sensation. It was about rights of British citizens and the representation and so on. But do you see the conflict there with Romans 13 and we often hold the American Revolutionary War as somehow Christian? Yeah, yeah. I have a real problem with the idea, and I know this could be <laughs> challenging for some, the idea that America is a Christian nation. I don't think a government can be a Christian. You know, that's individual. That's uh, a government can be influenced by Christian ideas. Uh, certainly, I believe our founding fathers set up a system of government with limited authority and limited power because of their view of human nature that was biblical to a great degree. But a lot of them were deists. A lot of them did not have what we would call an evangelical faith in Christ. Christ was was almost um, sidelined by many of the, you know, whether it's Jefferson or Franklin or even Washington, I believe. Um, they believed in God. They believed in providence. They believed in an afterlife, all those things. They were, they were pretty thoroughgoing deists, many of them. But, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want to go back, as some have said, and, and say, well, the establishment of America was, was counter-Christian. I, because, I, again, I, I don't think a nation can be – or a government can be Christian or not Christian. Um, you know, it, it happened. Uh, we, we go from there. Seems to be a non-issue then. Yeah, I to mean, me, it's have, it's kind of a non-issue. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, there are so many other influences. God seems to direct nations, um, and raises people up in certain times to have conflict with other nations. I guess that the impression that people have is valiant Christian soldiers, the American Revolution, freeing us from the tyranny of England so that we could be a Christian nation. But if even in that. That being the case, if that were the specific reason, it seems to be it would be a, at least a violation to an extent of Romans 13. Yeah. It's just an interesting thought. Sure, And I think sure. you've given us some good uh, – But I, I, I guess I would argue it wasn't a religious war. The primary motivation for the war was economic, was uh, political, um, a disagreement among co-religionists, if you will. I don't think we were that different religiously from England at the time. Well, Don, you seem to be saying that most wars in history have been for economic and political purposes, but have there been religiously motivated wars? Yeah, in the West, there are two unambiguous periods of religious warfare, two times when the motivating force uh, I don't. I wouldn't argue it's the only force, uh, especially, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But I, I do think uh, the birth of Islam 
the expansion of Islam between 632 and about 750, which it went, it expanded from this little tiny area in Saudi Arabia and in, in, around Medina and Mecca to uh, southern France at one end and India the other. Uh, this huge rapid expansion that was motivate that was motivate religiously motivated warfare. Um, Islam not only but primarily spread through the sword and through conquest. And of course, the resulting crusade where the West or where the Europe tried to defend itself for a period of time, uh, after a number of years, it finally mounted a counterattack. Well, uh, that was, you know, the, the Pope saying, if you'll fight your way to the sepulcher of Christ, your sins will be forgiven. That's pretty religiously motivated. Um, so that, that time period certainly is uh, religious motivation played a huge role in, the, in those wars. Later on uh, in Europe, the battling between Protestants and Catholics uh, following the Reformation, uh, yeah, that's religiously motivated warfare. We have to own up to that. We have to be honest in saying that was caused. What makes it twice as harmful or, or hurtful for us believers is those are both sides professing Christ. And it was a, a terribly, you know, that's, you got to cut Europe some slack. They, they experienced those many decades of warfare on their soil and saw the devastation that that kind of warfare can, uh, can incur. So, yeah, that, we have to own up to it. Those are two definite periods in Western history where religion motivated warfare. Now, would you say that it was the biblical teaching that motivated those wars? Well, that's another issue that you have to add as a, a qualifier. I don't believe any of those people who went to war believing they were going to war, promoting Christianity, did so following the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what's so maddening about it. Well, and it's the case then that um, Christians could happily concede that religion can cause war. But the Bible has a lot of problems with religion and warns against various <laughs> religion and yeah. religious systems. And so we can say, yeah, we could, we could happily agree from time to time. But it comes down to, are, are you saying that Christ would actually teach some of the things that have, that have gone on? No, it's a perversion, not, a, not the version. Yeah, I think God's heart was broken, you know, and certainly uh, this was not following any teaching of Jesus Christ to go and kill people to promote your theology or your church ecclesiology, your structure of how to do church. I mean, that's that's madness that you would go and kill people trying to convince them, of course, you're not going to convince them of anything once you've killed them, but uh, that your view of, of this is the way you do Christianity, that you would kill someone for that. That's contrary to everything I understand from the, the New Testament. Yeah, when it comes to these incidences, we can point to the Bible and show where this is a perversion of biblical teaching. But what about the other religion we mentioned here, Islam? Can we Can we point to the Quran or other teachings of Muhammad and show that? Well, this goes contrary to what Islam is all about. Yeah, and that's what's uh, that's kind of frustrating today because after nine eleven, and um, you know, we've had a lot of discussion in our in our popular media about uh, religion causing war. All religions seem to be put on the same footing; they're all looked upon the same way. That they're all equally 
capable of promoting religious violence. And for every mention of a Islamic terrorist or Islamic uh, fundamentalist, you'll get thrown in for good measure uh, a, a mention of Christian fundamentalists who are just as likely to blow up abortion uh, clinics or shoot abortion doctors or whatever. Um, a really poor analogy because Islam directly teaches in the Quran followers of Muhammad are to go to battle to spread the religion of Islam. And unbelievers are given really just a couple of choices. Either you convert and become a Muslim, or you have to agree to a second-class citizenship and pay special taxes and live under um, you know, a, a set of rules that just set you apart as this second-class citizen and humiliate you, or you're to be killed. And often it's <laughs> off with the head. Uh, so, yeah, you can look at Surah 9 in the, in the Quran the, and other places where the, the follower of Muhammad and the follower of Allah is given very clear instructions to fight on behalf of Allah and to spread the religion and, if necessary, by the sword. So, Don, are all religions equal in their tendency to start wars? I hear you saying no. Yeah, again, what's the, what's the worst thing? A Christian reading the New Testament is called to do to someone. I often ask this of people. What's the worst thing? And, you know, they'll, they'll start throwing out, uh, well, sure, yeah, it must be pretty bad, you know, because all these terrible things that have been done in the name of Christianity. The worst thing to do that I can come up with is to treat someone as an unbeliever. And when you treat someone as an unbeliever, we're to love them into the kingdom. <laughs> That's our goal. Is uh, you know, form of discipline. Yeah, and turn them from sin. It's, it's to restore them, them. It's to bring them back into fellowship. Our goal is to win back our fellow believer who's uh, left the faith, or at least acting as if he has, um, to win them back through love and through uh, compassion to fellowship. To restore them. That's the whole goal of church discipline. And that's the worst thing we do. Uh, so it's there is nothing in the New Testament that tells us to do violence to anyone in the name of religion. Absolutely nothing. So it, it's not the same as Islam, which commands the Muslim uh, believer to go to war on behalf of Islam. Uh, yeah, so I, th they're not the same. And certainly Islam has been bloody from day one. The more you know of, of the history of Islam, you know that Muhammad was uh, a leader of military uh, action from day one. He made a living by raiding caravans and taking the property that belonged to others and eventually uh, put together an army of 10,000 soldiers to return and take Mecca by force. So Islam, after his death even, had multiple civil wars and assassinations of their leaders uh, within just the first 50 years of its existence. The first 300 years of the existence of Christianity was, you know, they were persecuted. Um, they had no authority, no power, and um, they simply, you know, lived in a sacrificial way and served others. So, Don, if religion is not the primary cause of war, then sum it up for us. What is the most common reasons for war? Yeah, I, I like the uh, the summary that Mark Pearson, his book, comes up with. He says people down through history for centuries going back have gone to war for two reasons, greed and the need for security. Um, I'm going to get all I can get. It's, it's human nature to be greedy, to grasp after things we don't own. 
And then once we have them, we want to protect them. And so we will go to war against those we think threaten our security, those who threaten uh, to take away these uh, things we've collected. Uh, and that's been everywhere. That's that's just endemic to human nature. Um, it doesn't take anyone uh, – and, and that's worldwide. That's not just Western culture. That's uh, in Africa. That's in the East. That's everywhere. People go to war. They will fight to defend what's what's theirs. Well, Don, let's end with this. You know, Christ said that there will continue to be wars. Well, what is the hope, ultimate hope for peace for all of mankind? Well, of course, we as Christians, we look to Christ reigning, um, that he will eventually establish peace on this planet. Um, it won't be through human government. It won't be through uh, creating the perfect man through the communist uh, revolution. It's going to be Christ reigning. Well, our guest has been Don Clausen, my colleague here at Probe Ministries, been answering two great questions this last couple of weeks. Why isn't there more evidence? And is religion the primary cause of war? And you can hear this entire interview at evidenceandanswers.org and also click our link to Probe Ministries at probe.org and also see the articles that Don has written and one that is on this topic, The Causes of War. And you can go there at evidenceandanswers.org or at www.probe.org. So Don, thanks for being with us this last couple of weeks. You're welcome, Pat. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and demonstrates the truth of the claims of Christ. If you agree, please support us with your prayers and gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You'll educate yourself and your family, and you'll help us keep expanding. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman.